0: Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Ambassadors Forum radio show here on True Talk 800 AM KPDQ. I'm your host, Roy Swart, father of seven, MIT graduate, active engineer in the high-tech industry, and most importantly, bought and paid for, bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our mission here at the Ambassadors Forum is to equip you to be able to answer life's hard questions the same way Jesus would. Today, we're going to interview another one of our speakers from our annual conference back in October. My guest today is Mike Shutt. Mike is an associate professor of law at Trinity Law School in Santa Ana, California, and directs the Institute for Christian Legal Studies, a cooperative ministry of the law school and the Christian Legal Society. Mike also serves the Christian Legal Society as director of its law students' ministries. He serves on the board of trustees of Laterno University, Worldview Academy, and Worldview at the Abbey. Mike is an honors graduate of the University of Texas School of Law, and before entering academia, he practiced law in Fort Worth, Texas. Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks, Roy. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Well, Mike, you're the second lawyer I've had on the show. The first was my good friend, Herb Gray. And Herb said, Roy, you have to get another lawyer to weigh in because whenever you've got two lawyers, you always find three opinions.
1: (laughs) That's right. At least three. That's right. Herb (laughs) a
0: friend of mine as well. So that's great. So, Mike, uh, what was your first exposure to apologetics? And what do you think caused you to end up devoting so much of your life your passion and your energy into this field Gosh, my first exposure was in college when
1: I was trying to figure out things like, what does God think about this particular poem, or this particular Shakespeare play, or gosh, there's a lot of Christian themes here, and what do I do with this worldview that I've got from this person sitting next to me? I think it was in college, maybe early on, that I picked up James Sire's book from University Press called The Universe Next Door, where he sort of had mm. a catalog of worldviews, and mm. of course, that led me to Francis Schaeffer and just other folks. I mean, I'm an old guy, so this is back in the 80s. And my interest and understanding of why worldview matters, I think, was formed even more acutely in law school, where you know, you're know you talking about important matters of justice and first principles of why do we punish people, and mm. what can the state do, and why do I think this isn't the state's business? And I had lots of knee-jerk reactions to what I was hearing in the You know, the University of Texas School of Law, I got a great education there, but like everybody, I'm sitting in class going, is this right? Mm. What does God think about this? And so digging into questions of worldview and law and culture just became something that was very important to me as I thought about how to walk out my calling as a lawyer and a Christian, and then eventually as a husband and dad and all the rest.
0: Mm. It sounds like it was sort of birthed out of a very practical uh, application. You're like, hey, I'm interacting with the culture around me. And I want to know what God thinks. I've had the exact same kind of introduction to apologetics. It wasn't a course I took. It wasn't a a requirement at college. It was, I need something to help me right now make sense of the world. Exactly. Do you think a lot of people come to apologetics like that? Absolutely. I think that's right. I think as people
1: become more and more serious about their faith, whether, you know, they're raised in a Christian home and they realize the answers that they've had in Sunday school don't really answer all the practical questions and they, they need a little more, some more tools, basically. I guess that's one way I think about mm-hmm. it. These are just tools for making sense of the world around us. I think you're totally right that we live our life, we try to live it ethically, and then as we become more and more serious about our faith, we think, what does Jesus have to say about what I'm doing with my hands every day and what I'm doing with my mind and my my job that I spend eight, twelve, fifteen hours a day at, or, mm. or raising my kids, I need to figure out some specific practical application of what the Scripture brings to bear on this, and mm. worldview and apologetics, you know, that's where you turn.
0: Mm. Well, I know you wrote a book in 2007 called Redeeming Law, Christian Calling and the Legal Profession. How have you been able to share and defend your faith in your legal profession? And do you think that applies to other vocations as well?
1: Oh, absolutely. I think one of the things that early on I began to explore as I began to think about what I wanted to do in terms of my career, I began to read books on vocation and calling. What does God say about ordinary work? And uh, then when I went to uh, teach at a Christian law school, before I was at Trinity, I was at Regent Law School, and I I taught there, and just helping students think Christianly about ordinary work, and then as you think about that, you, you realize, wow, if God has something to say about ordinary work, if we're serious about saying God calls us to law, or God calls us to architecture, or God calls us into a business, then there's something specific that he has for us to do with our hands. And he and there are specific mm. things we ought to be able to be thinking about. If we're called to law, we ought to be able to think specifically about what God says about law. If God calls, calls me to compose music or to perform music, i better be thinking Christianly, biblically, about mm. what music is for, what the nature of music is, what its effect is on its audience, mm. and what my role is as a composer and musician. Same thing with lawyers and docs and architects and radio hosts and all the rest. You know, Mm -hmm. we we need to think well and specifically about that. And so my book came out of years of trying to help students and then working with Christian legal society, lawyers, students and lawyers think well about what it means to be a lawyer as a disciple of Jesus and what that discipleship means for client relationships, for justice issues, uh, for litigation for religious liberty for rules of evidence And just helping law students and lawyers think about the lawyer's calling. What does it mean to be called by God into law in any area of practice? And then, of course, it applies across the board into all vocations. What benefit is it for us to think vocationally? And when I give talks at Worldview Academy every summer, I have, I spend an hour with them talking about vocation, also leisure when we're not working. And so this question of being a Christian and a disciple of Jesus and everything we do in our whole life, it all matters, and thinking well, and thinking Christianly about it, and faithfully I guess is the better Mm -hmm. word for it, thinking faithfully in all these areas has become one thing that's so important in my life, but I think it's important for everyone to think about life in terms of of calling and vocation, not just in our work, but in our calling to be a husband or wife, a a daughter or a son, a brother or sister, a church member, a citizen. Calling and vocation is so central to all of this.
0: I I love that idea of we need to consider ourselves called by God wherever we end up. I know I've heard a lot of that kind of terminology in missions and missionary. At least I've heard you know, people say, hey, when you're called, you're called to the mission field. And then the people who aren't called, well, they can support those who are called. Uh, but it sounds like you're saying, no, maybe that... Uh, Maybe that structure is is not the way you would see it. It sounds like you're saying we're all called. In the same way that a missionary is called to go preach the gospel in Africa, Mike Shutt was called to go practice law in Fort Worth, Texas? That's right.
1: Yeah, exactly. I would agree with that statement wholeheartedly. And they're different callings, right? And we have different duties. And yeah, I think the hierarchy that we have in the church sometimes, where where missionaries are called, and pastors are called, and youth pastors are sort of called. And you know, <laughs> if you're if you're a if you're a lawyer or a politician or a used car salesman, you're not really called by God. All you all you ha- you're just uh, you're just financing. Those yeah, you really <laughs> yeah, you can give. Yeah, you can
0: you can bankroll the people who are called.
1: <laughs> that's right. And so I, I, I think that's. One of, the, one of the most important effects of the Reformation, were that Luther and Calvin particularly and their followers talked a lot about ordinary work mm. that is really calling before God. The priesthood of all believers had a consequence to the milkmaid, milking the goats, if done in faith to the glory of God, as service to neighbor and love of God. And so when we think about calling as walking out the second great commandment to love our neighbors, mm. we're really all called to do that everyone has the obligation to love their neighbors and if i practice law 10 hours a day and i don't think about what that means according to the second great commandment i'm not really much of a faithful christian Mm. and so this idea of calling in every area in work and life not just if you're ministering within the church that is of course a high calling but being a doc uh, to be god's hands of healing in the world Mm. and, and being used as his instrument for him to love our neighbors through us is just a huge important part of our looking at the world and being faithful to God. And I would say your idea of consistency is a great one. Mm. In the book, I call it, and in some of my Worldview Academy talks, I call it integrity, right? That's the essence of integrity, is consistency in every area of life, uh, being sound, not being divided, not living a compartmentalized life. I mean, we talk about compartmentalization where I'm a Christian on Sunday and sometimes on Saturdays, but not on Monday through Friday, (laughs) I'm just a lawyer, right? right? We also have the platform theory, where people say, well, I want to be a movie star because that'll give me a better platform Mm. for evangelism and to share my faith. And I think that's fraught with the same kinds of dangers where you say, well, then that means that the actual work that you're doing as a movie star or as a famous person or whatever you think you're going to get your platform as, Mm. that that work, the substance of that work doesn't really matter. And that leads us down a really bad path culturally Mm. to say, all I have to do is be in a place where I can tell people about Jesus, but what I do every day doesn't really matter. And of course we should all be telling people about Jesus. We should use the platforms that we have, but we should also ask ourselves questions about our work. Are the movies that I'm making glorifying to God and edifying to my neighbors do they explore the issues that help people think well and faithfully about the world is my work in the law tending towards the administration of justice and the mm. rule of law and the equality mm. of human beings and recognizing the dignity of every human person is my practice of medicine looking toward human flourishing or is it doing something else right it's mm. not just sharing our faith it's living the gospel and being Christians in every area of life as well
0: mm, i like that distinction between platform and method. Yeah. You know, you can reach lawyers with the gospel better than I can because you're part of their community. And I can reach yeah. engineers better than you can because I'm part of their community. But that's, that's just a small part of it. That that platform aspect is a small part of it. I really like how you talked about the method Can you give an example of maybe something in your life where you hadn't thought it through completely and maybe you were practicing law a certain way and maybe you felt convicted or maybe you just, you know, educated and said, you know what, I'm doing this wrong. I'm not practicing like a Christian lawyer. I'm practicing just like a lawyer who doesn't know Christ and I should be different. Can you think of an example like that? sure i can I, and i know in my own life uh, especially as a young
1: lawyer as these thoughts were just being formed i think i was really bad at putting them into practice <laughs> a, a lot of it was i was ignorant right in the cleanest sense of that word i just didn't really know i hadn't worked it through and that's a problem with all of us right because of what you said at the beginning that this mm. is we come to this practically we realize that we need a format or a model or a framework to think about our methods in, in mm. doing our ordinary mm. work. It's when we start saying, wait a minute, I've never thought about what God says about my representing clients in this way. Yeah. And for me, maybe the starkest example is taking on a client without investigating and praying about what my work for that client would do to the world, right? Mm. Is this work good for the world? And if you're thinking about your general practice and you th- have a, a holistic view and say, oh, I do civil litigation, one of the things that I'm doing mm. that's very helpful to the world is helping parties reconcile, mm. helping correct injustice, helping the process along of people paying for what they've done, paying what they owe, mm. or not being asked to pay something that they don't justly owe, right? On mm. the defense, or, you know, mm. we're talking about commercial. Sure transactions sure. and if you thought that through you're like well this is an okay area for me and I can do God's work but within that area there's always someone who comes to you and says hey this happened I really need to be compensated or I need this needs to be made right and I'd like to consider filing a lawsuit and I know that many times as a young lawyer when I was just learning how to take my own clients in rather than take the clients that the firm gave me, that I wouldn't ask the question of, now is this person that you're suing a Christian, wouldn't it be better to start Mm. within the church? And I did that on a number of occasions where Mm. I didn't even think about Matthew 18 or 1 Corinthians 6 Mm. that says, don't go to court with your brother until you've taken it before the church. And so I know that's an error that I wouldn't make anymore. And that even I encourage others to say, look, if you've got somebody coming into your office, it's not a bad idea to say, what's your faith background? Hmm. Are you Are you suing someone? who's And it's good practice too, uh, just yeah. because it has so many good byproducts. The other thing I would say is that I represented a handful of clients that I said, oh yeah, it seems like you've been mistreated. And then realizing that if my client wins this lawsuit or gets this right, it's a bad result for everybody. Hmm. People who come behind, people in the wake of this client who's using the courts for something that I wouldn't advocate, Hmm. I should have better prayed about it first and said, Lord, is this a kind of thing I should be encouraging in the world? Even though it was ethically fine, even though it may have been legally fine, I should have taught myself early on. To take every decision about whether to take a client before the mm. Lord first, before it's too late, because then you have ethical obligations to that client that may turn out to be inconsistent with what you think is human flourishing, or your, your duties to God, or love mm. of neighbor in your community. So the, those are maybe a little general, but those are two areas where I really saw the question of worldview really mattered to me, and I didn't really walk those out faithfully early in
0: my legal career. Wow, those, those are really helpful. Mike, it it makes me think you should uh, start a series, you know, redeeming science, Christian calling and the uh, (laughs) and and the field of engineering, and you know, redeeming art, redeeming music, (laughs) Uh, because you're right. In all of these professions, you have an opportunity to not only use the platform for God's purposes, but to actually practice your faith every single day In the way in which you carry out your duties, so that's right. What a neat idea! That's great. Well, let me uh, ask you about the Christian Legal Society. I know you're very involved there, um, especially in the law students' ministries. Tell us about that society, and and especially young people who are just entering, you know, their law students. How do you come alongside them and reach out to them um, as they're trying to figure all of this out? Like, like you just explained that you were like, "Oh, there was so much to figure out, and I, I needed somebody to help walk with me." Right. Uh, Christian Legal Society
1: it is a membership organization, basically, but it's a ministry to lawyers and law students, and a ministry for lawyers and law students. And we mm. have four ministries: attorney ministries and law student ministries are the first two and lawyers in cities around the country gather in attorney groups for fellowship, for spiritual formation, and for service to talk about these things that we're talking about now. What does it mean to be a Christian lawyer in my context? Mm. And it's, as you can imagine, to answer those questions, it's helpful to gather professionals together from the same profession. I'd say the same as you were talking about redeeming science, redeeming engineer. That's mm. why you have That's why you have groups of Christian engineers who like to get together and talk about the issues that are facing Hmm. the profession and their their particular practice. So Attorney Ministries encourages and helps uh, lawyers gather. Hmm. Law Student Ministries does the same for law students. We nurture and encourage law students, helping them to think Christianly about You know, to integrate their faith and their study of law, but also connecting in with mentors and resources as they're trying to figure these things out. Hmm. Christian Legal Society also has a ministry to the poor and needy called Christian Legal Aid Ministries. Hmm. You know, talk about, you know, the faithful lawyer. If we're neglecting the call to serve and love the poor and needy with our legal gifts, we're not really listening to the whole counsel of God as we're being formed in our worldview thinking, right? I mean, part of what it means to use our legal gifts to help the world flourish is to serve the poor. There's so many of the poor in poverty, and even those who are middle class, who Mm. can't afford real legal services and are stuck. And so Christian Legal Aid helps us serve those who need legal services, but also need to know The love of jesus and hear the gospel of christ and so that's christian legal aid ministry and then the last one is the one probably most of your listeners would be familiar with it's the christian legal society center for law and religious freedom is one of the oldest religious liberty organizations public interest law firms in the country and we do work in the courts we file amicus briefs in cases like hobby lobby and masterpiece cake shops and all those famous cases that everybody knows about as Mm. well as as representing clients who have religious liberty issues on the ground. And that's the Center for Law and Religious Freedom. So those are our four ministries. So we try to uh, connect with lawyers on both points of encouraging them to join with us, but also giving them work to do in the courts and with the poor and the needy and in the law schools and in their communities as well.
0: Well, here's the last question. I've heard that you recently became the executive director of Worldview Academy. So congratulations. I don't know how many hats you're wearing now, but it sounds like quite a few. Uh, Tell our listeners a little about that organization and how the Lord has used it to change the lives of students all over the country.
1: Worldview Academy is a ministry where we try to help Christians think and live in accordance with the biblical worldview. I've been teaching with them on their summer camp faculty since 2002. It has changed my family's life. One of the primary things that we do at Worldview Academy is we have summer camps for high school students ages 13 to 18 around the topics of leadership, apologetics, evangelism, and Christian worldview. And so mm. we'll have a summer camp that usually runs from a Sunday through a Friday in during the summer, it'll be uh, across 21 locations around the country so that high school students can come and be in a camp environment. There are college staffers that are helping them unpack the lectures. Usually we have 26 hours of classroom lecture. We have free time where we do ultimate frisbee and and then we have small group breakouts as well. Topics range from how to share your faith and then we'll go out with a practicum and go and share our faith in the community, Mm. just talking to people on the street. Obviously, that's as much For our students to learn how to ask good questions, how to help people think well about their own worldviews and about what Jesus says about the way the world really works, (laughs) as it is for those that we talk to. But it does have an impact on those Mm. that we share our faith with. But we'll also talk about media, we'll talk about the cultural distractions of the cell phone, we'll talk about how to watch a movie, we'll talk about great literature and what it means to read faithfully and with integrity. I'll do a talk on the roots of order, Christian views of law and government. As we talked about, I'll do a talk on vocation and on leisure. We'll talk about creation and evolution. We'll talk about sexuality. Uh, talks about the reliability of Scripture and how to study the Bible. And so it's a comprehensive or really a big-picture worldview week where we'll have somewhere between 18 and 20 lectures on these various worldview topics for 13 to 18-year-olds. They'll break up into small groups with their college staff, they'll come back, they'll have lunch with faculty, they'll have lectures, they'll be able to process this. And for my family, all my kids are grown now, but they all were students multiple years at Worldview Academy. Hmm. It changed the way they saw the world, and then they staffed, and that changed the way that they saw ministry. How Mm -hmm. they can be discipling, and even in their own peer group how they can love students by just asking questions about how the world works. How do we know this is true? Why do we think the way we think about the world? And to think about these questions about the nature of man, the nature of God, the nature of government what is the state what does it mean to be human what does it hmm. mean to be made male and female what does it mean that god created the world in six days what is that what is that all about and hmm. why does it matter for everything that we do and say how does our worldview affect our witness in the world the things that we do the things that we speak the things that we say we're entering our 25th summer and it's been a ministry that's changed thousands of lives. We see our mission as coming alongside families to give a supplement to the things that these Christian families have been raising their kids with and teaching their kids. We see ourselves as coming alongside churches to give them Hmm. a shot in the arm, an intensive week of worldview instruction. And our goal is that it would not be a mountaintop or camp experience, but it would be giving them extra tools and extra support to help bolster what the family and the church is teaching them. And we're in a really difficult time with biblical literacy among high school students at what some say is an all-time low, and maybe every generation says that. But I, (laughs) but I I think it's really hard to talk to students these days about what the Scripture says about something, because even if they know isolated Bible verses and isolated Bible stories, they don't know... Biblical theology. They right. don't know systematic mm. theology. Mm. They don't see how Scripture as a whole, the, the redemptive mm. story mm. of Scripture, how it applies to the movies they're watching, their relationships with their friends, and how it really is countercultural to the view and the narrative that is being pitched by advertisements and movies mm. and just the, mm. the culture generally. And because we don't have those tools, I think it, this is a really effective way to just put some of those tools in the tool belt of students. The website is Worldview worldview.org, worldview.org. So 13 to 18 year old in a camp experience. And then we have various faculty teams that travel around the country. And so if you go one year, you'll get one faculty team and you go in the next year, you say you start when you're 14, you go the next year, you have a completely different faculty, same sort of topics, but from a different faculty perspective mm, with a different cool. small group leader. And so you can kind of begin to get this stuff to seep in right. as you marinate more and more year after year.
0: Very cool. We will put a link to that on our radio tab page uh, so that people can click on that. Oh, thanks. Well, fantastic. Mike, thank you so much. I have learned a ton. It's been a, a pleasure to talk with you today. Thanks for being on the show.
1: Oh, it was my pleasure. I enjoyed it as well, Roy. Thank you so much.
0: Now, how about you? Are you struggling to make sense of the world and reality around you? Do you feel like your worldview has been tried and found wanting? Are you eager to apply the truth and order of the Bible to everything you do, including your career and your leisure time and your whole life? As Mike said, God created everything. And when we think Christianly, when we think biblically, it has a way of making everything make sense. Are you ready? The Ambassadors Forum is here to help you get started. Go to our website at theambassadorsforum.com. While you're there, you can look at some of the questions that we've answered already. You can ask us your hard question. You can sign up to receive our monthly newsletter. You can browse through some of our other helpful resources. Make sure to follow us on Facebook. And sign up to join us for one of our monthly forum events where we have great speakers presenting on relevant topics. Finally, thank you for joining us on the radio today. You can join us every Saturday at 9.30 a.m. here on True Talk 800 a.m. KPDQ. I pray that God will raise you up in your own faith and send you out to share that faith with others in the grace and truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Until next time, I'm Roy Swart. May the Lord bless you and keep you.